0: Saturday. What day is it today? Wednesday. Wednesday.
1: Exactly. It is Wednesday. Welcome to Film and Fly Club. I'm Glenn Falcon, and Falcon Screen, and we are joined by freelance writing critic Vrat Nehru. Hello, hello, hello. And Sydney filmmaker Chris Evans.
0: Pump up the jams.
1: Now, we're going to be pumping up uh, some dry jams this week because we are talking the new
0: Eric Banner film, The Dry. Not that new. It's already gone on to become one of the most successful local releases in decades. Can you believe it? Yeah, I I actually can't. It's been out since the beginning of the year and uh, enough time and pressure from other people praising it has happened for us to finally go and watch an Australian I mean, film because we are that great at supporting the local industry. Exactly. And talk about why they're wrong.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it is a pretty dry film. Not in a good way either. Among spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, yeah. So further, we are talking about, um,
1: in sadder news, the passing of, at 91 years of age, Christopher Plummer, who I first saw in The Sound of Music, one of the first films I ever saw, and since then has gone to make many other, and I'd argue, better films. Not that The Sound of Music isn't a good film, it is a great film but he's had a very incredible career, which we'll discuss in a moment.
2: The sound of criticism from Glenn Falkenstein. <laughs>
1: it, was, it wasn't a good thing to get the sound of music. I, I like it a lot. It's a very, which a film we never discussed, and it's a very, very good film. Uh, first, we want to talk about news of the week, which is, of course, David Lynch's news. Sorry, I'm joking. There's no news from David Lynch. That is a lie, a bald-faced lie from Glenn. Oh, yeah. But L- there's, last... some,
2: there's some, uh, you know, notable uh, glimpses that this could be actual news. Well,
0: yeah, David Lynch hyped a lot of fans like myself up last week by saying that he would make an announcement on his weather forecast the next day. Um, He previously used a weather report video to announce Inland Empire back in the day. So there was some precedent that this would be a new project because there've been rumors swirling around for a while that Lynch is about to shoot a new project for Netflix. It looks pretty legitimate at this point. So will David Lynch announce it? No. His announcement was I'm going to continue making my daily videos, which he hadn't announced that he was going to stop making them. He said he was going to stop, but because people love the videos so much, I've changed my mind and I'm going to continue. And, and even David um, Lynch
1: fans haven't been able to discern some Taylor Swift level coding in that. So yeah. it's just, there's no news.
0: There's no news. Um, But... You know, maybe he was going to stop making his videos because he would be busy making a film. I'm holding on to hope. He I announced mean, today. We're and-
1: happy for you to not make videos for a
2: while. That means you're making a movie, dude. Yeah, Techn- yeah Technically, yeah. A, a film is an extended video, right? It's content. Right. What is film? Films. What is television? <laughs> what is
0: YouTube videos?
2: So you're listening to Film Fight
1: Club
0: with Glenn Foust and Chris Evans. Only people who appreciate that film is not content. Right. One last <laughs> note on David Lynch. He had uh, actually more significant announcement. Um, on his video today where he said that he's finally received his covid vaccine so is if there is something that he's going to make at least now he can roll on and do that safely so fingers crossed for fresh new david lynch content to drop references in at every opportunity no matter how much of a stretch it is in relation to the content we're talking about content not cinema on (laughs) film fight club
2: i mean i mean if the vaccine is somehow able to save david lynch and make sure that he's you know COVID proof then we really you know the vaccine works right i mean that is that is the benchmark right a, a, the
0: chain smoker all his life <laughs> his, his lungs can't be in amazing shape right now so here's how much we're already talking about the dry we're talking about david lynch's
1: health <laughs> lynch's dry
0: throat
1: <laughs> and beautiful hair we just have to drop the ones that we don't talk about it because he has beautiful hair he does um and he other- has a beautiful mind, which starred Christopher Plummer. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it, Yeah. right. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. There's me, a segue. Here's a, yes. Um, before we get into Christopher Plummer in a moment, just very quickly, the, what is happening around town this week, the Japanese Film Festival has started its run in Sydney as of yesterday.
0: Something to go catch. The, oh, there's some super cool stuff at the AGNSW, actually. Um, lots of Japanese cult classics like Tetsuo the Iron Man. Anyway, um, pretty much every week there's something really interesting on, so... Yeah, check that stuff out. It's free. You just have to book online.
1: Yeah, the edgy new are doing great stuff, certainly they ran the one car wire retrospective. Now it's at Dendy Newtown. I think all the sessions have
0: sold out, but
2: keep an eye yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this, this week, all, it's Valentine's week, so we
0: have In, in the middle of which a billion times a day, um, <laughs> but... Uh, Happy Valentine's. But, but now backup.
2: in 4K, yeah. so you know, it's a retrospective version of it. Uh, it's sold out. Apparently it's three screenings of it, because people just keep wanting to see it.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this print um, does the rounds and shows that you're Orpheum Den- um, Dendy again, Rundrick Ritz or something later in the year, because clearly... There's a lot of demand.
1: If you can't make or you are locked out of an AG New South Wales screening because there's already too many people there, the Sydney so the Silent Film Festival, the Australian Silent Film Festival, is having a free event at the Mitchell Library just down the road, and Moonlight Cinema, Westpac Open Air, and North Sydney Open Air Cinemas are continuing. But for now, we're talking about Christopher Plummer, an actor I knew at a very young age for his rendition of Ada Weiss. and then later in life, I got to know through. Um, other Many other roles he made. I remember he'd pop up in all these 2000s films, and then he made Beginners, a film which I loved seeing at the Egyptian theater, the only films I've seen at that theatre, which I think for a lot of people positioned him as an actor who had a hitherto broader range than people were aware of.
0: Well, he had a massive career resurgence very late in life. Uh, when looking over his filmography after he died, I feel like he's in a lot of not that well remembered films for a few decades. Uh, you know, between the seventies and the late nineties, and this yeah. really, excuse me, the
1: undiscovered country was amazing. Thank you.
0: He's he's in some good, great films, but he also he's, he's kind of kind of like an
2: undiscovered actor in some points. No,
0: but he it was just a, a very reliable professional. Actor, so he he kept doing these roles without necessarily seeking out fame. The he New did, World
1: being a perfect example of a great role he did at right. a time where he got, uh, as I learned from Chris, actually uh, a lot of his material cut unbeknownst to him. I'd love to see the extended version of that with all yeah, of He, Plummer's he, he work. was
0: upset with Malik for cutting out a lot of his material and also just the general way Malik makes movies, shuffling things around and trying to recontextualize mm-hmm. it in editing. However, um regardless of what he thinks of the film I thought he was really good in it. He yes, brings he a yeah, he brings a real don't mess with this guy kind of gravitas which yeah. not a lot of people of his age could project that kind of intensity. The same as um, his role as Mike Wallace in The Insider, right? Great movie.
1: Yes, great, yeah. yeah, great. Oh, I, I rewatched a bit of that today. I did too, um, yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. He, he has that really, like, you know, don't try it kind yeah. of energy than <laughs> telling up the CBS.
1: <laughs> Just a legal team. He, yeah. was an, he was an actor who, and it's rare, to be able to evince incredibly strong warmth but also traditional strength at the same time. Yeah,
0: that's right. Like, he was so warm in Beginners but um
1: 82 uh, the oldest person to date to the to win an oscar mm. i think he holds i think he holds the record yeah, yeah. And he deserved it it was a one it was a he was, was very much playing against time he yeah. his
0: resurgence i think really began with that that tolstoy film i've forgotten what it was called but he was nominated for an oscar in 09 and then got the beginner's role in 11 and 1 yeah um but yeah i think um in recent years most people have been uh, discussing him in the context of the meme that arose after <laughs> Kevin Spacey was quickly replaced yes. <laughs> in All the Money in the World, thus ensuing memes about any disgraced actor like Armie Hammer. He was great as Kevin Spacey. Yeah, he <laughs> seemed to be replaced by Christopher Plummer. But, um, I, I, but, but ironically, I he yeah, also. I mean,
2: because he, he did replace uh, Heath Ledger's role in... in uh, Imaginarium uh, Dr. Parnassus. Yeah.
0: Did he? He actually played bits of Ledger's. Yeah, I haven't seen that film in a while. And, and he was I great. He really was great, actually.
2: He was great at that. Right. Uh, I mean, um, in in the context of that film. But uh, also, all the money in the world is actually a great film, and he was a great I, performance. I well, I disagree
0: with that. I don't think it, all I the money in the world film. is that good. He However, great in it. He was great, and yeah. I think it speaks to the kind of. Working actor professionalism—we've been talking about that. He was the one you you call up if you're yeah, Ridley Scott, so, so similarly reliable. <laughs> incredibly reliable professional worker you know get him together these two people can yeah, <laughs> knock something yeah, out in
1: a couple of weeks yeah let's remember this there was no lead in time they filmed all of spacey's former scenes within 12 to 14 days he just did it he got a number of nominations for it he was very good he was a very believable getty a lot of actors fairly so take a lot of time to prepare for a role he didn't have this but he went in and was a consummate and professional as he was throughout his life um the film i watched early i watched it for a few years and i watched it Late last year, again, was Inside Man, a film I really like a lot. He,
0: he was also really good in that.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. And playing to, very aware of the history of films, particularly Sound and Music, he had been in so far. For someone who did what the character did in that film, it's very hard to convince someone who people could, even to whatever small extent, empathize with. And he managed that very hard. It's something that comes with, I think, a great deal of maturity, which not all actors can mention he did, um, the girl with the dragon tattoo. Not a film I liked.
0: Again, he plays these these awesome creepy scrunched. old man roles. Well, not in the Go of the Dragon Tattoo, right. in fairness. Cre- no, but when but I say thing, creepy, thing is, he
2: doesn't feel like you but, know lecherous creepy. That's that's it's, what I'm trying to say.
0: Like creepy, my creepy old man gives you the wrong
2: the wrong vibe. It's more yeah. like the
0: really sinister. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this You've guy got be, holds yeah. an intense edge and the scheming yeah. behind the eyes. Yeah,
2: yeah. Like a lot of experience of the world behind me, and yeah. I know how this works. I'm going to double cross you, but you're still going to believe me because <laughs> yeah. I've convinced you of my evil plan. He
0: was he was excellent yeah. at those sorts of roles.
2: <laughs> and
1: he livened up films, again, as used the goal of the Dragon Tattoo examples, that weren't very good adaptations or weren't especially good. And I love that eight years later, I only picked this up last couple of days thinking about his filmography, but I love that eight years after Go with the Dragon Tattoo, he played the patriarch of a bickering family in which Daniel Craig was brought in as a detective to investigate a suspected murder. Knives Out was a lot better. We've talked about Knives Out, so Knives Out on the show. Knives Out. Again, we he, talk about yeah. warmth and the beautiful scene about a third of the way into the film without spoiling the movie that he shares with Anna Armas that he pulled off this aged crime writer, which ha- who we see, uh, we believe has this great affection for a character mm. and you can't, it, it's very hard to see, believe that someone would act so selflessly and he can bring that about. It's something that I don't think a lot of people in life would do for someone else but he was someone who, in a very short space of time, could sell such a meaningful relationship as he did in many other films.
0: I read that off set, uh, off camera, but on set, he was talking with Anna de because because she's preparing or was preparing at that time, now has played Marilyn Monroe. Um, and Christopher Plummer actually knew her, so was giving her his insights into what she was yeah. like. So.
2: I'm yeah, looking forward to her performance. How many Marlon Monroe movies because Kristen Stewart is also playing Marlon Monroe? Oh really? Right, this think. one
0: this one will be good, I think, because Andrew <laughs> Andrew be Dominic is making this one and oh, yeah. he uh he feels is very, very confident in the film and that it's going to be really good. Uh, I, I, and I and like whole, most of his films a I'm lot. I'm so. the whole my rep for this one, I don't think they've I'm not confident, but that's a. That's, a yeah. doesn't look anything like Marilyn, um, but, but, uh, but maybe from, the performance will be but, good. But, and but the from the from
2: the kind of uh, stills and everything, they've done a good job. Of it's based on bringing a, a likeness, very place.
0: very um, well liked book, uh, mm. Blonde by Joyce Carol Oates. So,
2: oh, okay. but actually coming back to uh, Plummer, I wanted to raise a good point that was raised. I think he has a lot of time for his co-actors. A lot of actors would usually. Chew a lot of scenery, and they make it about himself. He's a team player, but, but he actually allows you to shine, and he's very confident in his craft. That he knows that if I don't overdo it, you know, it'll still be enough. He's not trying to be always the best person in a scene. Yeah, um, well, case
1: he... in point, um, a beautiful role he did. Up,
2: uh, yeah, true. still
1: one of the Pixar's best films.
0: He had the humility of someone who, despite having a major role in *Sound of Music*, had never really been a big movie star. You know, more of a working, reliable actor, and so yeah I think that that gives him that generosity to never try to dominate
1: yeah and we have to remember um still to this day sadly it's taken for granted by a script of Hollywood that we have to put a man front and center and certainly there was a male and female leader the sounding music but I think he had the um just he had the wherewithal and foresight to realise that Julie Andrews was the star of this film and let her be
0: front and centre.
2: Well, apparently
0: he was very unhappy with his performance but thought Julie Andrews was amazing, so he wanted to put all the attention onto her.
2: Definitely. And it's it's funny because I think we were just having this conversation outside with someone else here, and we mentioned Christopher Plummer and we mentioned Sound of Music, and they didn't... They didn't get. And then we said, oh, you know, can't run trap. We mentioned the character. And they're like, oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. So it's funny how the character recall is there. But, you know, he didn't Look, break thing. out as, a, as an actor, which is, I think. Well, I, I think he did. But this, uh, nevertheless, there's no greater compliment you can
1: give an actor than I do not remember the act. I remember the performance. Exactly. <laughs> and yep, yep. that's certainly true for Plummer in, uh, in so many of his roles.
0: One last thing, I think. We should note, talking about um, the the kind of career he's had in film, is that he was doing his best work for a lot of uh, the time between his his major periods in film on theatre. Apparently, um, that's where Al Pacino became yeah. enamoured of him and suggested him strongly to Michael Mann.
2: Yeah, Plummer was great in title. all all his Shakespeare adaptations from I've seen uh, the on the stage. Country yeah. again. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, yeah, and nothing bad to say about in Hollywood Icon, which is rare. I mean, you know, just very positive, well, very, I, very nostalgic. Well, I think he made some,
1: as I said, I think he made some films that weren't especially good, but he was good in them. That's yeah, so the best yeah. thing you can say about an actor. Yeah. That is Christopher Plummer. Yeah. And please do see Caddy's Filmography. So you're listening to Film Fight Club with Glenn Falkensland, Chris Evans, and Marat Nehru. The next film we're talking about is, as mentioned, the uh, biggest Australian film in cinema right now, The Dry. It's
0: an inspirational story of box office success. And we're here to tell you why everyone's wrong and we're right, as usual. <laughs> <It's>... Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, like, Welcome to Australian cinema. There's good Australian cinema. but uh, this one.
0: <laughs> well...
1: No, no, it isn't. It's directed by Robert Connolly, written by Robert Connolly and Harry Cripps, and based on a novel by Jane Harper, which is a bestseller. It is starring Eric Banner. It is about an AFP officer who, after 20 years, returns to his childhood town with due to a, his, the death of his childhood friend in what is reported as... A murder suicide. He believes that there is more to it and therefore stays around. The dry is a reference to the fact that the area of the small town and the wider region is um, affected by drought. Um, I think the main, there's a lot of issues with this film, a lot of which is tantamount to the writing. I haven't read the novel. I can't say how much passed along from the novel to the film. But I think more broadly speaking, it's a matter of direction. I think there's, this film isn't so much it's quite poorly, directed, poorly directed, it's, it's planned. It, yes this is, but it's more than that i think the direction is playing not just distinct from but against the what the novel is trying to get across and this is the worst type of bad film in the sense that it thinks it is much grander
2: than it actually is and Pre- for the, the
0: pretentious kind of energy dare we use that word
2: yeah well i i think what the film is trying to do and this is uh so uh the film was uh, kind of inspired from the kind of mood of David Michô and kind of the Rover, that kind of vastness of the Australian landscape, dry Australian, you know, the dry Australian sad landscape,
0: and uh, this dust on their faces.
2: But but also this kind of feeling, like you know, the Chinatown thing, but export that to Australia, where you know the landscape is such that it brews secrets and you conspiracies greed. and right. and, pe- and greed, and people have secrets to hide, and so everyone because the landscape is so dastardly makes you kind of dastardly all right a couple of points to this
1: there's a lot of drone shots in this and there's a <laughs> film called stranger land which handles this especially well just because there are drone shots and attempts at being eerie doesn't mean you're necessarily using the chinatown example i want to extend on that a film can be broad and encompassing in its cinematography but it's still be people constricting and suffocating the writing the direction in this does not evince that in any respect
0: the one point where this film actually started to sing for me was a drone shot which is so incongruous with the rest of the film, which is suddenly the, we're watching this dust devil moving around in this lonely crop, and it's so evocative and eerie. I, I know what you mean Well, that was good. Yeah. and There were good moments in this. There, there were good moments, but um, I was looking for that kind of visual poetry of really using the landscape to suggest something throughout, because when you talk about it in terms of, like, the land creates these secrets and stuff, it made me think of um, how rarely the Australian landscape is actually used well um, in Australian yeah, films I agree Yeah, but it, it's used terribly in this like it you know it, it is um, a big contributor of atmosphere but when you look at the beauty that, that's there on screen I just feel like it's not being filmed well and it's not being used to frame
2: the character's story that well there's yeah, it's a, just a stand in for the outback uh, right. quote unquote there's the, nothing specific
0: There's some flashback uh, scenes of teenagers climbing up on this rock with like a a crack between the rocks. So it's hard not to think of Picnic at Hanging Rock. Absolutely. In comparison, Picnic at Hanging Rock filmed that kind of landscape in such a beautiful way where you you felt like there was mystery around the corner, um, just just around those rocks. If you could just tilt your head a little bit, you might find something. This film is similarly going for like this dark tone of mystery, but it's just flat. It's just... Like there, there was no vision. There was no being visually inspired by that landscape, and I think that's that's really a shame. Um,
1: Peter Weir is just such an exponentially better director than the God. I was speaking to an Australian director who has seen this film, and and they actually returned from an area not dissimilar to this, and they made the point similar to Wake and Fright that, in line with the nature of the scenery there's always a feeling in these sorts of places that you're being watched especially if you're an outsider this character is an outsider this wasn't just not evident in cinematography it wasn't evident in the staging or actions of the characters but i think there's a broader issue with the macro storytelling of this film using the chinatown example that is a film about water similar to this and how water plays into ideas of uh, greed and desperation and the, the underbelly of what LA is. I think just situating this film in a drought doesn't beget these broader themes, especially when the Dunamont of the story has nothing to do with um, the nature of the Australian outback or what the challenges we're facing. It's just a pretty standard thriller, but mm. more than that, and this is what's really difficult. The, I, I think the, the idea of there being a lack of water and the dry feeds into the idea of it should feed into the idea of desperation there's nothing the characters in this film and what we it, this film is actually more about a related but more distinct issue which is the matter of greed and i feel that something like chinatown made was about but
2: was about greed but it lent into that this yeah the context conflicts. was very relevant in chinatown here the context of there being a drought and you know landscape being so dry It's more just an aesthetic choice, which is irrelevant to the actual unfolding of the plot and the character's motivations. It has
1: nothing to do, as I think is touted by a lot of folks, as to the current state that Australia is in or the extent to which the regions have been neglected by the government or the rest of Australia. It conflates ideas of greed and desperation and want into one that distinct issues deserve to be dealt with distinctly. This film doesn't have the maturity to um, distinguish between those motivations or ideations.
0: Mm. Um, I think an issue is that the characterization is frankly just one note all across. Everyone is Eric just Eric Banner's is boring. Yeah, um, Eric Banner doesn't. Sorry, Eric Banner not boring. The characters. The character is the boring. Character's yeah, boring. The, character's boring. The, the
2: only thing good about Eric Banner is that he looks incredibly hot while he's shaved, and he kind of looks like twenty years younger, which kind of feels like oh my god, he's been around for so long. He's a very good looking. <laughs> well, that's
0: the thing. Like he has,
2: <laughs> he has the respect
0: um, that Eric Banner is starring in an Australian film is enough. I think, you know, based yeah. on a bestseller, it's enough to propel this thing um, way beyond the actual quality of the film. But yeah, as I was saying, the characters all seem super one-note. The the one person who may or may not be revealed to be villainous is just so one-note, angry, malevolent through the whole film. Um, the The way it telegraphs who's, you know, who done it. Yeah, yeah. It was, was you, pretty insulting. You can figure it out just I through the way it's, out it's directed, the I way was it's presented visually. Five-eighths the
1: way through, I felt no more suspense. I was like, um, ah, uh, up until then, and then I felt, no, I know what's going to happen here.
2: I, I think the worst part, I think Chris is bang on, is the idea that I think each character in the film, or at least each actor, sorry, was given their kind of cardboard cutout one-liner as to, well, like, here's your mood, here's your emotion, and you're going to stick to it. Basically, like, act angry, and you're just supposed to be angry throughout, or act, you know... Uh, ham it up. And everyone was kind of hammy as well, which is also weirdly bad. I think it
0: just comes down to bad
2: direction. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I've got to tell you, anyone who spent time in this part of the country is going to look at these characters and think, this isn't what folks around here are like. Um, There are bits in the story that lend themselves to an eeriness and an interesting element. Chris referred to the flashbacks, which um, I enjoyed guessing and learning about. The problem is that you have two strands. The flashbacks are in reference to a, a tragic event that occurred 20 years earlier. But the two elements in the crime we're investigating what happened 20 years earlier, they are in tangent into each other and they don't actually inform the other elements of the story. Aside from a couple of elements where we are guessing about the main character and one of the victims, but yeah. really well, they don't play out in tandem when they need to.
0: We're being teased that there's going to be some something greater at a foot. You know, yeah, yeah. Where, where these things feed into each other. Um, and as you say, they don't, but, um, it, I think this film is working on this idea of mysteries and secrets, but the, um, as you say, there ends up being no secret tying these two strands together. So it would have been fine to leave, you know, one of them... Thematically open. or practically, importantly. Yeah. yeah, it would have been fine to leave one of them open and unresolved. But there's... It would have be better. If, yeah, you know, definitely better. It would have, Yeah, I'm just saying there was absolutely no necessity to try to wrap up every little... Uh, You know, it becomes ridiculous um, the extent to which this film is trying to remove any sense of ambiguity or mystery from the narrative, especially when you consider how separate these two threads of mystery are. It's not
1: a film that should be prescriptive. It lacks um, dramatic uh, integrity for doing so.
0: Right. Uh, You know, um, the idea to me is is way more haunting that just um, visiting one story of murder in this town opens up all these memories And it it would be about how this character deals with these memories and this repressed trauma without having to actually resolve that. Because as it is, I'm I'm giving away the ending a little bit, but it comes across as here's this super cop from the city who can just roll in it and resolve all the the dark mysteries of this and little you know town what? no, no one really that, trying you know
1: what no one in that town is gonna even though he's from it no one in this town is gonna trust the super cop because hey yeah. you're from melbourne you're a big city man and we don't give a damn about you and you know what every why does every australian film look i like Locus, it came out a couple of years ago played at the grand film festival in revelation why does every film have to be at the, about the prodigal son returning to the australian rural town it's such a cliche uh,
2: i mean uh, i think that chris you've hit on a major point i think Firstly, this film is not smart enough, or at least uh, self-aware enough, to understand the dynamics between what different characters should play out. They're just supposedly given uh, instruction as to this is what you should be doing, and they're not even given the freedom to explore other dynamics and what's on the page. I don't think Eric Bana is bad he's just not oh
0: it's very plot driven it but, pretends yeah. to be a character drama but it's very yeah, much it's... like straight ahead to the conclusion
2: it's, it's like the hands the actor's hands are tied behind their back it's like this is what you're expected to do and you can't bring more to the table because you can see that the actors are trying it's not like they that they're, they're bad the acting is yeah. not bad it's just that they don't they haven't been given the freedom to explore the character than what's on the page I,
1: th- I think it's something for fundamental I think they don't have enough for a brief to director what film they should be in this if it had lent into noir overly stylistic aesthetics may have worked but as it doesn't you're meant to rely on the plot the plot evolves very badly characters learn things by happenstance by incidents by picking something up it's not an intelligently written thriller and that would have been fine if it had been something that was overly stylized or however like um it's something that had been had a saturated filter as we see in like in in a lot of different films it's something that um what's the destroyer attempted to lean into a couple of years ago and didn't do well certainly other films have done it better to that effect but there's no satisfaction in um the denouement or how you find out things because i don't believe that this is either how this would happen or it's also not intuitive. In order for a detective story, especially ones to be plot-driven or that thinks it's plot-driven to be interesting, it has to be intuitive. You have to be able to figure something up. But no, um, things just are. The going of the, the narrative
0: detective. resolves the mystery, as opposed to the actual detective work. And the atmosphere and the aesthetics are too familiar for it to just work based on those without having a, a interestingly functional mystery plot. Absolutely.
2: Well, now that we've pooed all over the dry, I can recommend if you on the on the lookout for something a good Australian kind of mystery drama I'd recommend Jack Irish starring Guy Pierce, which is on Netflix which is a much 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 better uh, drama which uses a lot of similar devices about you know um, an outsider coming in into a mysterious town and trying to solve a mystery and uh, so it's a lot of similar things but it's a lot more lived in and it's guy pierce and it's amazing so it has been done it can be done there's good australian content out there which is exploring similar themes this is one is not it
1: i'd recommend actually the kim ferrant film stranger land it's a film that is has a very standard pl- uh, basic plot but is by design character driven the drone shots are used to create effect to give you a sense of isolation you have the se- same sense of a character brought into this you have a sense of loss of sense of trauma from time past i think this film is coasting on a lot of what we've seen done better in australian cinema just thinks that it is
0: this and just wants people to impress that upon this movie. It just strikes such a boring Australian film serious kind of tone. There's there's so someone. It's Wake um... and Fright. I mean, yes, oh, uh, Wake w- and Fright is, is a real movie with a real perspective. I
1: think it's yeah. a little unfair just to pick on the current Australian film and go see the film that's always been the touchstone of this sort of genre. But there are many films that have mimicked Wake and Fright or not over the years of this nature that are better. It's just detective stories that have come out in Australia or it's otherwise. Which Mr. Red was better better goldstone was better yeah. which just have better through lines and more interesting
2: plot developments even, and you know what a better central figure mm. even animal kingdom by david michaud like even if it's roping in a lot of michaud kind of aesthetics. it feels like a michaud film but michaud's yeah. a much better filmmaker oh definitely
0: yeah. um how how bland is is the the sort of love interest love
2: story in this film well there, there was none i could not feel any love it was I just, didn't, like a, but it's just i didn't so buy it yeah cliche you know yeah well, everything in this film is kind of like flatlining. It you know, doesn't have a pulse. There's a few
0: funny lines in here. There's a few nice Australianisms. I'll give some props. It's not a terrible movie. It's just very boring. middle of the road. Yeah,
1: it's boring. I'd, I'd go less than that. I think it's just lazy in most insignificant major respects. But so this one moment, and it starts out because of it, where things slow down dramatically towards the end of the film, where... Uh, and whenever this happens, at a point where you're supposed to be very invested, it takes you out of the film. And it's such a device. If it had been used throughout, um, it would have felt better. But there's such an inconsistency to the direction here and else.
2: Can we take a stab as, at, as to what people are enjoying about this film? I mean, you know, why, why is it so successful? I think it's nice that a film is talking about – has Eric Banner.
1: He's great and talk, always – and talking about the fact that um, we have gone through a drought and addressing this and is filmed – in rural St- and certainly is a great story that this was a big boon for the town, um, the production itself, which oh, is okay. great. Yep. But uh, as a narrative, got to say, no, nope, it didn't live up to expectations, unfortunately. I-
0: but the crowd's loving it. Yeah, I
2: mean, well done to the marketing team. They,
0: they definitely pitched it correctly. But clearly, it's working with yeah. word of mouth. Yeah.
2: So that is The Dry. It is in cinemas. What do we now. know, critics? We hate cinema. Oh,
1: so in cinemas this week is Another Round. We reviewed it two weeks ago. You can go look up our review on Spotify and
0: iTunes. It's much great. better than The Dry. Go see Another Round
1: go see it um the japanese film festival is now playing as the city film festival wangawa retrospective the australian sound film festival is happening on sunday moonlight westpac and north of the open air cinemas are happening stay tuned for the sonic assassin This has been glenn fowling signed chris evans and Brett Nehru let us know what you want us to fight about please subscribe and yeah stay safe enjoy movies and we look forward to bringing you more movie fights
2: yeah we're gonna
1: be
0: off to have another round hopefully there'll be pie involved good night